I did not know that there were signs involved in how sheep eat grass. I've learned something today. And um, don't let the sheep take the grass right down to the roots, otherwise it's hard for the plant to grow. And do you think there's lessons from that analogy into our Christian life? You bet there is. And sometimes the Lord prunes us, and sometimes he gives us a hard prune. Hopefully not too often. Thanks for that communion, Jared. It was very good. I'd like you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6 today. And we want to read for verses 9 through to 22. Genesis 6, 9 to the end of the chapter. This is about Noah and the flood. I'm sure everybody's heard this story, yeah? There's a big boat and all the animals came in two by two and Noah and his wife and um, his sons and their wives. Oh, does anybody know what Noah's wife's name was? It was Joan. Tell it, Gary, he's he's got got it. Joan of Ark. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Sorry, that was quite bad, wasn't it? (laughs) Bible verse for that one? Oh, mine, mine, mine. Uh, Genesis 6, 9 through to the end of the chapter. Oh, yeah, 22. This is the account of Noah and his family. I like this. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on the earth had corrupted their ways. Sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? So God said to Noah, 13 we're up to, so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make for yourself an ark of cypress wood and make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. And this is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it, leaving below uh, the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower and middle and upper decks. For I am going to bring flood waters on the earth to destroy all life under heaven and every creature that has breath the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you. You will enter the ark and you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you. 
to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Amen. Well, this is an interesting story of sorrow and loss, a story of disappointment, a story of rescue. This story will be repeated soon. I know where, but I don't know when. (laughs) The setting of the flood was 1,650 years after creation. Only 1,650 years. The people of the earth have become extremely godless and as a result of disappointment in mankind, God decided to destroy the earth and everything on it. What a sad day this must have been for God. Noah had received instructions, etc., and set about building the ark, warning people and gathering animals for the preservation of mortal beings. The thing that we see here is obedience. God gave Noah a mission and Noah carried it out successfully. So where are you with this concept of obedience? I am reminded here of the parable of the talents. If you're faithful with a little, you'll be given more. This would have been Noah's experience also. But is this your experience? What have you been given by the Lord? And have you been faithful with what he's given you? And has he given you more the next time? And have you been faithful with that? Have you been faithful with a small amount amount of responsibility? And if you have, God will give you a mission of greater responsibility. And this is how we build a good history with God. We sang History Maker before. I really like that song. And although Gary was worship leading today, he called me this morning and we chatted. I said, can I request a song? He said, what is it, Dad? I said, can we have History Maker? Because I want to talk about history with God and he said okay but folks it's important that we build a good history with God and Noah had a good history with God what does it say here in the first couple of verses Noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time he walked faithfully with God could I read out Pete and Lynn were righteous people, blameless among the people of the earth. They walked faithfully with God. Can I read that out about anyone? Now, we might smile and say, well, you know, we're not building boats. But it's not about building boats. It's about fulfilling the mission that God has for you. Noah wasn't building a boat. He was, but... He was on a mission for God. And so are we. And folks, so was Jesus. And I want to talk today about Jesus. Even though we've read out of Genesis chapter 6, this is a type 
a shadow, a foreshadow of the story of Christ is wrapped up in this story of Noah's Ark. And I want to unpack that for you today. And I want to show you how Christ is in the story of Noah's Ark and how God even knew only 1,656 years after creation that his son would come to seek and save the lost. Today I want to look at these key areas of Christianity. God's wrath, Christ is the way, invitation to salvation, God's provision for salvation, security, baptism, atonement and the resurrection and ascension of Christ all wrapped up in this story. I want to look at these areas from the perspective of Noah's Ark story. And this whole story about Noah's Ark is, like I said before, it is a scriptural type. A type is something that occurred, but also foreshadowed something else that would come later. A bit like deja vu, but not quite. Um that would come later in the future. So exactly, what exactly then does the story of Noah foreshadow? First slide, please, Dennis. God's wrath. Excellent. God's wrath. God is not happy with sin. I'm not preaching a new, a new message, am I? We already know that God is not happy with sin. And God's anger burns towards those who continually and deliberately commit sin. His grace has certainly been extended to mankind. But if you reject Christ, then you will be subject to God's wrath. These people who were outside the ark They had to bear the full force of the flood. God's wrath was poured out upon them in full measure because they were not in the ark. They declined the invitation, folks. And so it will be to all who are not in Christ. When the judgment of God falls on them, they will also be subject to God's wrath. Next slide, please. Christ is the way to salvation. There are many religions and cults around these days, folks. They all offer peace, enlightenment, reincarnation, tranquility, you know, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But the scriptures are clear. Ladies and gentlemen, the scriptures are clear. And the only way to receive salvation is through The Lord Jesus Christ. Buddha can't forgive sins. Do you know why? Because he's dead. Allah can't forgive sins. Do you know why? Because he's dead. Jesus can forgive sins. Do you know why? Because he rose from the dead. That's the difference between Christianity and religion. The scriptures are clear. The only way to receive salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the ark shows that Christ is the only way to enter salvation. 
The ark shows this. The ark had only one door. Yeah? One door. Noah and his family, as well as all the animals, had to enter the ark through that single door. Christ's words in John 14, 6 says, No man comes to the Father but by me. Also Christ said in John 10, 9, I am the door. By me, if any man shall enter, he'll be saved. One door in the ark, and Jesus is the one door to salvation. Not religion. Forget religion. Religion just makes you feel happy and clappy. But Jesus, Christianity through Christ, will get you walking on those golden cobblestones, folks. Think about it. Alrighty, next slide. The invitation to salvation. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come unto me and I will give you rest. This is Jesus speaking. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come Noah and all your house into the ark. Now this is really interesting. Jesus says, Come unto me. The Lord said to Noah, Come Noah. It's Genesis 7, 1, first verse we read. Now this is interesting. This is the first time the word come is found in the Bible. This is an invitation. If I say, Shirley, come here. It's an invitation. Okay? So God is giving Noah an invitation. If God had said, go to Noah... That would imply that God was telling Noah to depart. Go. Go out the door. Come here. Okay? So. Uh, so come shows that the Lord would be present with him in the ark. This pictures exactly what Jesus is saying in and through the Gospels. God says to Noah, come. Jesus says to us, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden. Are you heavy laden today carrying around that bag of sin on your shoulder? Oh, oh I've got a bag of sin and I don't know what to do with it. Ladies and gentlemen, lay it at the foot of the cross. Lay it at the foot of the cross. What are we up to? The next one, thanks Dennis. God's provision for salvation. Check this out. The Bible is clear where we will spend our eternal rest. Yes. We are on our way to heaven, the place that God has provided for all of those that receive salvation. Folks, that's the good news, isn't it? That is the best news. Because when you die, you don't want to be going down to hell. There'll be flames down there licking up around your toes while all the rest of us are walking around on golden cobblestones and such. The ark was also God's provision for salvation for Noah. Christ is God's provision for the salvation of sinners and has been so in the mind of God from the foundation of the world. 
So just as Jesus provided salvation for us and has saved us from a spiritual death, God also saved Noah and his family. And they were saved not just from a physical death, but also from a spiritual death. Security, thanks Dennis. 1 Peter 5 says that once we have entered into Christ, we are kept by the power of God. This verse offers us the security that Christ has for believers, the security that has us and does not want to let us go. Now, once Noah was in the ark, God himself shut the door and he kept him secure. What a wonderful thought this is. This shows and displays the caring nature of God. One door, God closed that door. Once everybody and all the animals were in the ark, God closed that door and kept Noah and his family safe and secure for 40 days and 40 nights. And once we come into Christ, we receive salvation, we come into Christ, we are also kept safe and secure in Christ. Baptism, the next one. Thanks, Dennis. As believers go through the waters of baptism, through Christ the waters carry away or drown out our sin. Then we are raised up out of the water into a new life with Christ. The waters of the flood drowned out the sin of the world, yet they also carried Noah and his family to salvation and allowed them to begin a new life. How about that? Atonement. The atonement was made by the blood of Christ, which provides a covering of sin. Folks, sin must be covered, and it must be covered by the blood of Christ. Romans 4 7 says, Blessed are they whose sins are covered. Okay. Our sins need to be covered. By the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ came through his crucifixion. Now, pitch or tar, whatever you want to call it, pitch was used to seal or to cover the ark. Now, this is interesting. The word pitch is translated from the Hebrew as kephar. K-A-P-H-A-R, kapha, which means to cover. Kapha is translated 70 times in the King James Bible. Get this, kapha is translated 70 times in the King James Bible as to make atonement. The simple meaning of kapha or pitch is to cover. So when you come to Christ, your sins are covered by Christ's blood. In the ark of Noah, in the ark, in when you come to Christ, your sins are covered by Christ's blood. As the ark of Noah was covered with pitch, the pitch kept out the waters that carried the sin. And 
Also, Christ's blood keeps out the sin, keeps out from us the sin of the world. I think that's really interesting. Just as the pitch kept the sin from getting into the ark, the sin that was in the waters from the world, also Christ's blood covers us and keeps out or protects us from the sin of the world. Resurrection and ascension of Christ. You're on to it, Dennis. Good lad. <laughs> After Christ's resurrection, right, he ascends to heaven. Oh, there's 40 days, right? He walks around with the disciples and, you know, has fish on the beach and stuff like that. How good would it be just to like have fish on the beach with Jesus? You know, like, G'day Jesus, how you going? What's going on? Hey boys, uh, there's fish here cooking on the coals. Yeah, what do we got? Oh, well, a bit of perch, Murray cod. I don't think they get Murray Cod in the Sea of Galilee, do they? <laughs> anyway, after Christ's resurrection, he ascended to heaven. His final resting place, seated at the right hand of the Father. The final resting place of the ark was on the mountaintop of Mount Ararat, a place above. This also shows us that where the Lord Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God the Father, a place above. Alrighty. Thanks, Dennis. That was the last one. Although this story is an Old Testament story, it has meaning for us today. We can see the parallels between the story of Noah and the story of salvation through the Gospels. This means that the message of salvation has always, folks, has always been in God's heart. The message of salvation has always been in God's heart. And we could even flick back to, um, to Genesis. Oh, I don't even know if I can find the verse. Chapter, where is it, Gaza? The Great Evangel. No, 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 no. The one, there's one in um, in uh, Genesis. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Genesis 14. He's talking about. So the Lord God said to the serpent, "Here, because you have done this. Now this is this is the fall. This is like early after creation. Cursed are you." Above all livestock and all wild animals, you'll crawl on your belly and you'll eat dust all the days of your life. Verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. It's talking about Jesus and the devil. So even right from the beginning... God has the plan of salvation. In fact, the whole Bible from Genesis chapter 3 
right through to the end of Revelation is all about the restoration of mankind to God. The restoration of that relationship. You see, in Genesis 1 and 2, we see, the re- we see or before the fall, let me say before the fall, we see the relationship that God had with Adam and Eve. He came and walked with them in the cool of the day. It's like, Adam, Eve, how are you going? Not bad, thanks God. What have you been up to? Oh, I've been naming animals today. Yeah, what have we got? The one there that gives milk, we're going to call it a cow. <laughs> okay. And what about that one with all the sheep? Oh, we're going to, with all the wool, we're going to call them sheep. And what about the one with no legs? That's a serpent. <laughs> Look, you know what? They had a great relationship. They had a great relationship. Imagine God walking with them in the call of the day. It means that God has come from heaven onto the earth, onto the planet. Like he had visitation rights. But after the fall, Adam and Eve's heart was filled with sin and there was no place for God. And he couldn't come and walk with them in the call of the day anymore. The relationship changed. And now, all God wants to do is to restore the relationship with his creation. That's what the flood was about. It's what the Tower of Babel was about. It's what the Ten Commandments was about. It's what about the 40 years in the wilderness Getting a bit of discipline was about and getting into the promised land. It's what Jesus' crucifixion, folks, was about. Restoring that relationship. And people don't get it. There's a lot of people on this planet, they just don't get it. They're too busy doing other stuff like religion and sport and pleasure. You know, there's a place for pleasure, but there's also a place for God. I'm not saying we shouldn't do things that we don't enjoy. We shouldn't do things that we do enjoy. We can and we should enjoy life. We need to put God first. There's a lot of people that should be here today. Well, I don't mean in this building, but there should be a lot of people around the world that are going to church. But they're not here because of other reasons. Sport, pleasure, business. All these things are taking the place of God. Religion. Some people are going to religion today. They have religion every Sunday. Glad we don't do that. Folks, The ark has rooms for the animal. Jesus said his father's house has many rooms. Another parallel. The ark was made of wood. The cross was made of wood. Because God saved him, Noah remained alive. Jesus gives us eternal life. There are a lot of parallels. Helen, what were some other parallels? Yeah, we said that one. 
There were some you were talking with me about this morning, but I can't remember what they were. Can you remember? People learned that Noah and were looking at him yep. when he was building the ark. Mm-hmm. During Jesus' time, some people were mocking him in his ministry. Exactly. Noah was on a mission from God, and people mocked him. They said, ha, 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 you silly fool. Why are you building a boat so far from the beach? <laughs> because God told me, and I'm on a mission for God. You foolish man. And doesn't that happen to Jesus? And doesn't it even happen to us? People mock us because of our Christianity. There's parallels everywhere, folks. Let me wrap it up. So, my appeal to you this morning is the same appeal that God gave to Noah. Come into the ark or come into salvation. The salvation that Christ provides. Come to Jesus. Your sin will be covered by his blood and Jesus will preserve you from the judgment of God. There's going to be a day of judgment, folks. But if you get saved, you will be preserved from that day of judgment. Because Jesus will step in and say, No! This person has given their heart. They've received salvation. And God will say, through the gate, the pearly gate. You see, Jesus will preserve you from the judgment of God. Take him today if you're not already saved. And if you are saved and you're on shaky ground, you come here and we'll pray for you and firm up that ground. Christ has a lot of blessings to shower upon you, all of you. He wants to change you into his likeness. What is his likeness? Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father. So we know that Jesus operated in the same way as God, the Father. And if you want to know how Jesus operated, read the Gospels, I say this. Read the Matthew on Monday and Luke on Tuesday and Mark, Matthew, Mark. Now you can read Mark on Tuesday, Luke on Wednesday and John on Thursday. And then on Friday, have a review of the four Gospels and see how Jesus acted, reacted, how he approached different people groups to the disciples he was a teacher, to the crowd he was a preacher, to the um, Pharisees he, he, he challenged the religious leaders of the day. To the sick he was a healer. See how Jesus operated folks. Get it into your heart and your mind and go out and do those things. You see someone sick Oh, let me pray for you. Father, we pray for such and such. Whatever it might be. Be like Jesus. Do the things that Jesus did. He wants to change you into his likeness. I mean, why would you not want to receive the very best that the creator of the universe has for you? Why would you not? I mean, if I if I win Tax Lotto next week, it's very improbable because I don't take tickets. But if I did, let's say, let's say I came away with 
50 million, right? And what do we got here today? 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 15, 16. 16. Let's say next Sunday I invite you all up here and I say, here's a million dollars each for free. Would you take it? If someone just said, well, here you go. Like, I saw this one day. This preacher got his wallet out and he said, Here's 80 bucks, right? There's 80 dollars there. This bloke says, <laughs> if anyone wants this money, all they've got to do is come and get it. <laughs> anyway, everybody sat there. And then this, this bloke jumps up. He comes up, he goes, thanks. <laughs> and went back and sat down. Right? Fair question. Anyway, the guy actually put the money into the tithes and offerings. <laughs> he didn't keep it for himself. But the bloke was 80 bucks short. Right? But the thing is, if someone offers you something of value, you probably take it. You know, if I said, oh, I'll come around and cut your lawn for free or rake up your leaves or whatever, you'd probably, oh, thanks, Stu. That's really nice. But God offers us something so much better and yet people turn it down. And that's the bit that I don't understand. And what God offers us is worth more than a million, worth more than 50 million. It's worth more than all the money in the world. Worth more than all the gold in wherever Australia keeps its gold reserves. I don't even know. In a vault somewhere. Folks, Christians are the absolutely richest people on the planet. And we don't get it. We don't get it. Because I could ask Pete for money, and that's all right. He might say, yeah, sure, he's... 20 bucks, go and get yourself some groceries or something, if I'm a bit short. Or I could ask anyone, and they'd probably say, yeah, if you're a bit short, I can help you out. And that's really nice. But I'll tell you this, why would you go to a limited resource for financial help when you can go to an unlimited resource. It's simple. It is simple. Here we were in Kenya. The itinerary said in two weeks you're going to Uganda to do some preaching and workshopping. But we didn't have the money to buy the plane ticket. And the guy from Uganda calls... Pastor David here. How you going, David? Good. How's things? Yep, great, really good. Yep, you're ready to go? Yep, yep, everything's in order. I didn't lie to him. I was having faith. 
He called me a week later and he said, we've got 250 pastors and leaders coming, we've booked the hall, everything's in place. I said, no worries, I'll see you, see you at the weekend. I still didn't know how we were going to get there. But we prayed to a God who has an unlimited resource. And to cut the story short, a lady on Facebook who I don't even know said, I've been following your progress. I want to give you 600 US dollars. She did. The money was transferred. We bought our ticket to Uganda and back to Kenya. We fulfilled the mission. Guess what? We have 50 bucks left over. How good is that? Okay, it's a bit tricky exercising the faith. You know, I was sort of thinking, well, come on, Lord. But when you trust in the God of the 11th hour, it forces you to get on your knees, folks, and cry out. At the end of the day, it wasn't even my mission. I was just a messenger. It's the Lord's mission. And he provided. But that's what it is, folks. Why would you want to receive the very... Why would you not want to receive the very best that the creator of the universe has for you? His resources are totally unlimited. And I've said this before. Gold is the most precious commodity we have here. Or around the most precious and used for currency and it has a lot of value. In heaven it's just road base. It's just road base. It's like taking a suitcase full of asphalt to the Queen and saying, here you are, Liz. And she what's this? It's just road base. No, it's something precious. Gold, like God has a different economy to us, folks. Get it into your spirits and get living a different life and get... You know, read those Gospels one every day and, and analyse it on Friday and see how Jesus responded to people, how he reacted, and do the same. Anyway, I'm just repeating myself. Let's pray. Father, we give you all the glory today. Lord, we thank you for the parallels we've learned today about the story of Noah's Ark and the story of salvation. So many parallels, Lord, and there are parallels in other stories in the Old Testament that are foreshadows to what Christ has done. We thank you for those. We pray, Lord, that we'll get it into our spirit, Lord, that we will trust in an unlimited source, that we'll put Jesus number one in our life, Lord, and not other things or religious things or, or sporty things or whatever, Lord, that we can have a priority in our life where Jesus comes first. As we go today, Lord, help each one of us, Lord. Be with us, Lord. Be our strength. Be with us, as Jared said, when we're in the valley, Lord, give us that growth. Give us that fertile soil, Lord, that we can tap into the stock root of Jesus and be grafted to the vine. Be with us today. Be with us forever, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to a Wattle City Church podcast. If you download the Anchor podcast app and type Wattle City Church into the search engine, you can listen to more and great podcasts from Wattle City Church. Thanks.